This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 535 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Total Saddle Fit. Today, we are going to give lots of information about the USDF finals happening next month with USDF Competitions Manager, Christina Wright. Then, Karen Isberg joins us with fall nutrition tips, and for the trainer tip, we are answering a listener question from email. Reese Coppler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. How are Hi, you? Hi, Reese. What's going on? Goodness. Uh, well, we're we're pretty rocking and rolling and busy down here. You know, this is this is a big we have a big fall season. So there is a dressage show this weekend. There is an event with all the upper level horses next weekend, really big event in town. And they have horses kind of going all over the place. Horses going to Fair Hill next weekend, team challenge. So uh, we're, we're in the thick of it again. We have, you know, we have a quieter summer season and then we're back into it for the fall. So yeah, really busy. And then we're getting, I'm getting my two horses ready for the finals. So yeah, rocking and rolling for sure. How about you? We're just training, having fun. <laughs> yeah, this is when this is when I really don't like talking to Philip because he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, we're just chilling. We're just training." I know yeah. I'm having a lot of fun. I actually I have completed all the movements on uh, on the horse that I've been training for a lot of years, and now he can he can do the Grand Prix. Yeah, so, that's pretty cool. That's really that's fun. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, the that's last really thing fun. the last thing was was the series of like 15 changes, and now he yeah. can do. Lots and lots and lots of ones. And ah, super. Really fun. We're really happy. Now I want to go to horse show, which yeah, do for another while. But it, yeah. it's going to take a while to to put sure. all the movements together to happen. You know, to happen in a test kind of thing. And you know, the zig the zigzag is a really a big challenge for me. I don't know yeah. why. It's, that's my hardest movement. I think it's it's a lot of people's hardest movement. So that needs a lot of work. There needs to be a lot of polishing going on. And then maybe possibly in the spring we'll take them out and and do the i2 or you know the modified ones that enter a enter b something like that but yeah. um awesome. really happy that yeah he's going so well and he's so happy and and it's 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 a great moment it's a great thing i'm coming for the grand prix i want to see it see it <laughs> happen so there's always for me when you do your first grand prix on a horse you trained there has to be a party there has to be a big celebration. Well, I'm I think big on party that. every week. So there's means, a party every week, there's but there's really yeah. a party once you go down that center line. And then you can be like, okay, we did our first Grand Prix. Now we actually have to like make it good, which will take about 20 more times down the center line. But 20 at that, least. Yeah, yeah at 20 least. more years. Yeah, or 20 more Anyways, years. Anyways, yeah, we're having That's fun. That's really exciting. Horses, horses are going really well. And, and awesome. uh, yeah, it's great stuff. Awesome. I love it. I love it. We have a fantastic show. Uh, we, we are kind of getting ready for the U.S. finals, and we've had lots of questions around that. And so we're going to kind of kind of take some myths away if we can and, and give some information about the U.S. finals this show. So it should be a really good one. So how about we, we go rock right into that with Christina Wright from USDF? Well, we are really excited tonight to have a U.S. Dressage Finals 101 with Competition Department Manager, Christina Wright. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Reese. 
<laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's start with just some of the kind of the basics of the 101 of the U.S. Dressage Finals. What are the dates and where is it happening and all that good stuff? Well, the Dressage Finals will be held at the Kentucky Horse Park on November 7th through the 10th. The closing date for the competition is October 21st. So that's, so that's people, coming yeah. up soon. Yeah, that's yeah coming so people up have really to get their soon. entries in. What should you be doing to, to make sure that you're entered properly and and avoiding any pitfalls there might be with paperwork and and whatnot? Well, at this point, most of the regional championships have happened. So most of the deadlines have been passed already for the declarations, as well as most people have passed their nomination deadline. So at this point, it's just important to ensure that your entry is, your complete entry is submitted by October 21st. And we highly recommend that those entries be submitted online at horseshowoffice.com. Yeah. And if you've never sort of used that program, that program actually is is pretty self-explanatory. And I, I myself have, have had to send some emails in and they're very good about getting back to you and answering questions for the non-techie people, me. So they're really good and really helpful. And it's fairly self-explanatory when you go to the website. So what can people expect? I know there's there's some questions about the stabling because there's indoor stabling and outdoor stabling. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that? Sure. We do have a limited number of heated stalls in the Altec barn, which is basically attached to the Altec arena. Those are limited and we allocate so many stalls per region. And policy is that the stalls are allotted based on the date that the rider's complete entry is received. So get get your entry in quickly if you haven't or your regionals are just finishing if you want to be inside. But the outside shed rows, they're outfitted with, I don't know, how do you describe it, tents or, you know, there's a way to close off your stall so it's a little bit warmer. They do add those for this competition, don't they? Yes, that's correct. The outdoor, the if you call it the, maybe the shed row stabling, it does have a kind of a plastic barrier around it, which does enclose the shed row stabling for this competition and keeps it a little bit warmer and the elements out somewhat. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not completely exposed to the elements. <laughs> no. It is kind of like it is kind of right. like a tenting kind of tenting, kind of situation. Tenting. So yeah, yeah, right. But those it, coming from the south, I think they should, yeah. you know, pack, pack their blankets. Pack warm. It can be. It can be cold. It, it can, can snow. be. It can snow. It can uh, even even Philip, our Canadian, sat in the car one day because <laughs> it was <laughs> kind cold. of. It was cold. It was definitely and cold. Windy. Yeah. And very windy and rainy. So it can be can be beautiful and it can be cold. And in the morning, sometimes it's really chilly. But there is a complimentary coffee cart that comes around like all morning. That whoever's on the coffee cart becomes your best friend. That has happened to me. I love the coffee <laughs> cart. But there are that kind of leads us into um, there are lots of fun social events, right? That that happen every during the competition. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, we have on Thursday night we have a welcome reception up in the Altec Arena where all competitors are invited to that event. We also have a competitor dinner Friday night, and that's also in the Altec. And then Saturday evening, we have the freestyles in the Altec arena, where there's a couple different options. There can be just free admission in the general seating, or competitors may purchase VIP passes to access the VIP area for have their dinner there with wine service and, and watch the freestyles. 
Yeah. And that's really fun to do if you have a big group or there's also VIP service during the week, right? It's not just for the Saturday night if you wanted it. Correct. Yes, there is a VIP package that can be purchased for the entire competition. That's right. And and where do people find information on that one? That can also be purchased through horseshowoffice.com, through usdressagefinals.com. There's there's links from both those websites to, to purchase those VIP packages. And they can also be purchased at the horse show as well. Ah, fantastic. And and that's the, the U.S. Dressage Final website is great. It's a really, really helpful. It's got maps of the horse park. It's got stabling. It has all the information on it. It's really, really helpful. It also kind of tells you when and where you can school and what's open on the horse park because there's several different places that you can go and show. And there's also an open show, right, during the show, during the U.S. Finals? Yes, that's correct. There are non-championship classes held Thursday through Sunday. We call those the dressage and the bluegrass. And they, like I said, are offered Thursday through Sunday. And all of it's on the all-weather surface footing. We have some areas of the horse park that are not as good in footing, but the the areas that the U.S. Dressage Finals, the footing's all very, very top-notch and, and fantastic. So it's a, it's a lovely show. We actually, we send a bunch of horses just locally to that horse show because it's really, but it's it's a little bit away, right? So some of the horses compete in the Alltech arena, but some of the lower level championships do happen outside, right? Yes, that's correct. Unfortunately, with as big as the show is, we can't fit everybody inside the Alltech arena. So certainly we, we utilize the Alltech arena as much as we can, kind of from sunup to past sundown yeah, <laughs> really late but yes it's just there's only so many hours in the day so yes we do utilize a few other rings with like you said the all-weather footing that are rings that are outside yep. and there's one other thing there's travel grants available right can you tell us a little bit about those because I, I actually don't know anything about those sure yep we implemented the travel grants a couple years ago and those are grants that usdf provides funds for the competitors traveling the furthest distance to the U.S. dressage finals. A competitor can apply for the travel grant when they complete their entry to the horse show. We have two groups of travel grants. Group one is riders from states of Washington, Oregon, California, Hawaii, Alaska, Montana, Idaho, Arizona, Nevada and Utah, and those competitors will receive up to $1,200 if the rider is from one of those states and if they apply for the travel grant and if the horse makes it to the Kentucky Horse Park. And then we have group two, which is riders from New Mexico, Colorado, and Wyoming who will receive up to $900 if they apply for the travel grant are from one of those states and the horse does get to the Kentucky Horse Park. That's fantastic. That's really cool. That's a, that's a fairly new program, but I sure hope people take advantage of it because that's that's really, really fantastic. It really will help you get here. And, and we will, in our next segment, we do talk a little bit about, you know, where you can stay and what you can do, but there's a lot of, of that stuff already on the U.S. finals. So there's lots of fun stuff here in Kentucky and in Lexington, right? That But that's on the, on the website as well. There's some tours and things that if you have family members that don't want to be at the horse park the whole time, there's some fun things to do, right, in the in town. Yeah, we have those on the U.S. Dressage Finals website as well as in the U.S. Dressage Finals prize list as well. Those include things like Haggard Equine Medical Institute Tour, Old Friends Tour, 
Keeneland, Kentucky Bourbon Trail. And then, of course, there's quite a number of attractions at the Kentucky Horse Park itself, such as museums and gift shops and that type of thing. Yeah, and playgrounds. I mean, it's a, it's a huge park. It's a state park where families can go and have a good time. So there really is something for everyone. Even if you just bring one horse, you can really have a great time while you're here and, and lots of fun stuff. And we have good restaurants in town. So we're used to hosting big events in Lexington. And, and I think people will, will have a great time when they come. So Christina, if, if our listeners have any questions or they're coming to the U.S. finals, how can they get in touch with you? They can email me at competitions at usds.org, probably the easiest way. As well, there's contact information on the U.S. Dressage Finals website. There's also a chat system where somebody can post a question and then USDS staff will reply to their question online. Fantastic. Well, Christina, thanks so much and we look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks. Thank you, Reese. Well, Phil, I'm really looking forward to this next interview with Karen Isberg from Kentucky Performance Products. She's going to talk about three nutritional concerns for this time of the year, and it's it's an important time. So we hope you enjoy this interview. Well, we are thrilled this evening to have President of Kentucky Performance Products and show contributor Karen Isberg on the program. Karen, welcome. Oh, thank you. It's always fun to be here. We are happy to have you. We we were all laughing. I think we're still laughing from what we were chatting about offline. It was funny. So we're excited to have you. And we have actually, we were laughing because here in Kentucky, where we are, we've actually been in a big drought. And so we actually have zero bluegrass or any kind of grass. But that brought us to kind of finding a topic for today. And you're going to talk about three fall considerations that we need to be concerned about, which is definitely a concern here in Kentucky, maybe that wouldn't normally be. So can you get us started? Sure. Absolutely. So there's three issues that um, horse owners need to be aware of as fall comes and, and, you know, the seasons go from summer to fall and into winter. The first one would be seasonal vitamin E deficiencies. So based on research, actually research, uh, Phil, that was done in Saskatchewan a while back, they did some research on 400 horses, which is a lot of horses when when it comes to um, equine research. We learned that Horses that are on full-time pasture have vitamin E levels 63% higher than horses that are on a diet of just hay and grain. We also know that the vitamin E blood levels in these horses was the highest in May through August, which of course correlates to when the pasture is at its peak quality. And we started in Canada, they started to see a decrease in the levels of vitamin E in the horses in September which is as you move to warmer climates, of course, you will see that, um, that period widen out. So here in Kentucky, we, we usually have pretty good grass through September, and then in October, you start to see the grass fade. So you'd want to take that into consideration when you're thinking about your pasture. But because the vitamin E drops off in horses that are, pet, that are eating pasture, you want to make sure that you supplement that vitamin E through the winter so that you don't have a drop in your vitamin E levels. And the best way to do that is to just start them on a natural vitamin E like Elevate Maintenance Powder just two to three weeks before you know your grass is going to go dormant and then keep them on it through the winter. So uh, I just have a question about hay. You know, is this, uh, at what point does the vitamin E break down in your hay? Within three weeks. Okay. There's, there's oh, wow. pretty much none there. So, yeah. it, and it, it's like that with most vitamins. They just do not maintain um, potency once the hay is dried. 
So, yeah, so people hay. thinking, oh, we've got great hay here, it's green, it's, you know, it's lush, it's, it doesn't, that doesn't mean that, it, that it's got the same vitamin levels as, you know, as good pasture. Definitely not. Definitely not. The minerals tend to, tend to remain at, at the levels that they were in the grass, but the vitamins fade. And vitamin E in particular is an essential vitamin for horses. So that, because it supports muscle and nerve cells and in the immune system. So that's one that you definitely want to supplement. Especially if they're in work, but, but even for retired guys and stuff like that as well, right? Yeah, the retired guys that are, you know, if they're just out on pasture, you know, 24-7 all year round, it's good to give them that vitamin E in the winter, especially the older horses, because it does help their immune system a lot. And if, you, if your horse is on grass part-time, like Reese, our horses are out half days, a lot of right. them, or, you know, five or six hours, they're, they're getting some benefit from that in vitamin E. So you may, depending on how hard they're working in the winter, you may want to up their vitamin E a little bit just so that you maintain that level. Um, your horse will tell you. Most horses, you know, that if their vitamin E levels drop low, you'll start to see signs. They're stiff and sore. They don't want to go forward. They get a little cranky. So if you see something like that in your horse as he progresses into the winter and comes off his, his pasture, you can pick your vitamin E levels up in the winter. Okay. Good advice. Fantastic. Now um, we have... Yeah. What's our second consideration? We have three. So the second one, and it's, it's, this again relates to pasture, is a drop in the dietary energy levels in your horse's diet because pasture gives your horse a lot of energy. Of course, it depends again on how long they're out. And this is related mostly to the hard keepers. Everybody's got a couple of them on their farm. Those are the ones you turn out in the summer and man, they put on weight and they get dappled and they look great because they're out on a lot of grass and, and grass contains a lot of nutrients. It's got some fat in it. It's just really good for them. So for these hard keepers, when the grass starts to wane and go away, you need to replace those calories with something else. Sometimes you can replace it just by feeding extra hay, depending on the horse. Sometimes you might need to pick their concentrate level up a little bit. But if you've maxed out on hay and concentrate, then the best thing to do is give them a fat supplement like our Equijoule or our Endure Extra. And that just replaces those calories. You want to keep your horse in positive energy balance so that he maintains his weight and condition through the winter. So in the spring, you're not playing catch up. And now is the time to start doing that. When you don't wait until the pasture is completely gone, start adding those calories in now. Yeah, and I think we did that pretty early this year because our pastures, we don't have that many hard keepers, but we have one or two. And I think we added that in already because it's really uncharacteristically dry. So that makes Yeah, that makes you've sense. started feeding some extra hay. And mm. to, you know, you got, you got a thoroughbred on your property now and you can really see it in, in those types of horses. Or, you know, older horses too. Sometimes you'll see some seasonal weight loss in them. So try to, what you want to do is you try, you want to try to stay a step ahead of it. So you want, you don't want to wait until they've started losing weight. And, you know, a good thing to do is, you know, take a baseline on your horse, you know, coming out of the summer, you know, a weight tape or put them on a scale and get a weight. And if you're happy with that weight, then keep checking in with them once a month, do a condition score. Because when they get to, if they get a heavy coat, then it gets a little harder. So you want to put your hands on them and be able to feel how they're doing. But that's always a good thing to do. And now's the time to kind of think about how you're going to sustain that horse through the winter. Yeah, that makes total sense. And like you said, it, it's good to check them. And in the winter, because we've had some, well, 
you know, I have some friends that have had horses that dropped a lot of weight really quickly in the winter, but they didn't really have a record of what they were before. So that makes total sense. Yeah. And if you're looking at them every day, like we go out and we see our horses every day, you know, the weight loss is slow, so you don't notice it. So if you use a weight tape or a scale or you do a condition score once a month, then you're going to see that change. It's going to become apparent. And then you can, you can catch it and up their energy levels before they lose a lot of weight. Because it's hard. Once they lose a lot of weight, you're paying, then you're playing catch-up. And then you have to give them a lot more feed to get the weight up than you would if you just kept them in a positive energy balance through the colder periods. And a lot of horses need more food when it gets colder because they're, they're using more energy to stay warm. Makes sense. Fantastic. And what's our third fall consideration? So the third one, and this is more for your easy keepers, your heavy, heavy horses, your, in, your insulin resistant horses, or your sugar sensitive horses. And this is the fluctuation in the sugar content of the grass that they're getting or the pasture due to temperature change during the day. And this is similar to what happens in the spring. So just real quick, when grass grows, so on, on a really warm, sunny day, grass will produce a lot of sugar. And then at night, if the temperatures stay above 40 degrees, then the grass uses that sugar to grow. And what happens in the fall is we'll have these beautiful sunny days, so the grass will produce all this sugar. And then at night, the temperatures will drop down to below 40 degrees, and the grass does not grow. And the sugar stays in the leaves where it's highly available to the horse. So the next day, you turn your sugar-sensitive horse out, and it's, he's like get out there getting the sugar high. So most insulin-resistant horses aren't on pasture, and that's really the best way to handle it. If you have a horse that might be susceptible to that type of thing, when you see those weather conditions, you want to just keep them off the grass completely. And some horses, and you can see this sometimes, in, again, in older horses that have a little bit more sensitive digestive tract, those extra sugars will cause kind of a, a bloom in the gut of the lactic acid-producing bugs. And then that causes uh, acidosis in the hindgut, which can give them diarrhea or maybe even a little, you know, colic. So if you have a horse that you know has had these issues in the past, it's really a good idea to monitor the weather. And just if you have weather conditions like that, warm and sunny during the day, below 40 at night, just pull them off the pasture for a couple of days so that you're not, and give them hay instead, so that you're not exposing them to those fluctuations. A normal horse, it doesn't bother. It's just these sensitive ones. That's a great tip. Yeah. yeah, we always need a reminder, you know, in the fall and the spring about this and, and about those horses. And if you, if you know you've got a horse that is a little bit older, like maybe last year he was fine, but this year he's going to be more sensitive. You know, just be aware and, and on the lookout for these sorts, sorts of things. Because I know as the horses age, we, uh, we had one that was fine his whole life. And then one year he just came down with this problem in the fall and then and then he foundered and then it was like a disaster so keep a yeah, lookout and the cushing's and cushing's is an old yeah. horse disease that causes some problems and insulin resistance is a is a more of a a type disease that hits certain types of horses but you know and, and it can start when they're young but it gets worse as they age so anytime you know you've got fluctuations in temperature and you see a horse that's sore-footed get them off the grass right away because that's probably what the problem is it just throws their systems out of whack. So, so you know, in a quick summary, supplement with natural vitamin E, elevate to avoid seasonal deficiencies. Watch your energy levels. If you have to feed a supplement, a fat supplement is always a good 
choice. We have our EquiJoule or our Endure Extra, and then watch those temperatures if you've got horses that are sugar sensitive. That'll that'll just just head off a lot of problems. Fantastic. Well, Karen, as always, thank you so much. And how can our listeners find some more information about Kentucky Performance Products and ask you any more questions? Well, they can go to our website, kppusa.com. We have lots of information about our products and we have lots of different articles. So if you're interested in learning more about things you can do, you can go there. You can call us. We're open um, eight to five, Monday through Friday, Eastern Standard Time. 859-873-2974. We have a Facebook page. You can private message me from the Facebook page, or you can email me at kisberg at kppusa.com. I'm happy to answer any questions. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Karen. Well, you're welcome, Reese. (laughs) So it's fun. I love coming on to the show and it's really neat when I go places, I have people walk up to me and go, are you Karen from the Dressage Radio Show? It's very weird. <laughs> we know. <laughs> Karen, thanks so much. And we look forward to next month. All right. Talk to you soon. Well, I think we have a fantastic Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week. We hope you enjoy. Well, for this week's Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, we've got a great one that'll tie into our national finals. But Phil, today... I actually, once a year, I go to the University of Kentucky. You know, I'm an adjunct professor there, and I do a tools and tack lecture on dressage. And I took all of my total saddle fit gear, which is great because I was able to explain to the students all about the products and why I like the total saddle fit girths. So I took the total saddle fit girths, and I took my also my stability stirrup leathers, And it was fun to see, like I showed them all the product lines and I showed them sort of how we use them and why I like the stretch tech shoulder relief girth with the different linings. So it was fun to actually give a lecture and then I showed them the stirrup leathers and they were really impressed because their stability stirrup leathers are a little bit wider if you haven't seen them. And Phil and I are legitimately users of the product and we really like them. So that was fun. I was able to expose some of the students to them, but then kind of really neat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the the products are really well designed. They're sort of, uh, with the girths and the, and the stirrup leathers are newer designs, you know, kind of innovative thinking and forward thinking. So I'm sure a lot of them haven't seen maybe the, there, there's a lot of, um, girths with the cutouts, but you know, the elastic parts on the total saddle fit girths, are really awesome and and yeah and the stirrup leathers are, are fairly new we've been riding in them what maybe a year now or maybe not quite oh but i'm terrible with time but a while yeah. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> to tell yeah i mean we've been loving them so i'm i'm glad you got to demonstrate that to to right. more people it was fun to more people but it was fun to to show them about total saddle fit and how innovative the company is so that was pretty cool so we thank justin at totalsaddlefit.com and if you have any questions check out their website they have great products This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. So, Phil, you have our Total Saddle Fit trainer tip, which was a listener question, and I'm going to try and and shed as much light on this as I can. So, do you want to start us off? Okay. This this is an email that we got from Marlene. It's all about nationals, so I thought this would be a great tie-in. She says that her daughter has qualified for nationals for the first time also her first year as a professional. So here's the three questions. Question one, is it worth it to go to nationals for one class? 
Yeah. So, so I, I'm going to lit nationals for one class this year with one horse. So I, I will say, you know, for me, you live 10 minutes from the horse park. So, oh, you yeah. know, I will put that in a caveat on this, this whole discussion, but I try to go every year to the nationals that I can make it, you know, again, it's, it's a great environment and it's becoming more and more prestigious as it continues. So, and riding anytime you can ride. And I think Phil, you understand this. I think, you know, when you qualify, you think, oh yeah, you know, maybe I'll be able to do this next year and the year after and the year after. And what you find out, I think, as a professional rider is it doesn't always happen. You don't doesn't, always, doesn't get to always go. come together. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't always come together. So I have a rule with myself and my students. And that is if you make the national championships, you need to go. And that's what I would say here is your daughter made it. She's becoming a professional rider, uh, you know, to be able to ride with other professional riders and what I typically call professional amateurs, because a lot of the amateurs, you know, that make it to nationals, they had to go to regionals and they had to make it. And then they had to keep the horses sound and everybody healthy and get to Kentucky. So I do think it's definitely worth coming and it's, yeah, um, I've been a few times and, and yeah. it's, it's becoming a bigger and bigger environment. I think it's, it's cool to ride at a show, which where everyone had to qualify to be there, you know, it's kind of a privilege. And I think the environment is really, everybody's, you know, trying to have a good time and, and meeting people from all across the country. So there's some networking happening and stuff like that. So I think it's kind of a big deal. We don't yeah. have in Canada and I wish we'd had, something, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. So, all right. Well, here's question two. Since their regionals are late, they're wondering about accommodations. What What are your tips here, Reese? Yeah. So the horse park's actually, I, I actually live in the town where the horse park is, or maybe the horse park is actually in Lexington, but it's on the north side of Lexington. So the next little town is the town I live in, which is called Georgetown. And, um, if you can't find any accommodations in Lexington, because Marlene's right, sometimes I don't think Keeneland is going on that late, but, um, sometimes there's a football game, so it can be a little bit challenging to get hotels, but Georgetown, I mean, I think Lexington is kind of a a small town with a lot of hotels. Yes. There are a lot of, well, because you have the, you have the national basketball championships going on. Like it just seems like, yeah. Yeah. There's more accommodation than than a normal city of that size. Right, right. And then Georgetown is is pretty um, good size, actually, and has a lot of hotels. So, um, and Airbnb is becoming more and more popular. So, and on football weekends, it's it's pretty typical. People get Airbnbs, too. So, I don't think it's as difficult. Marlene, you certainly are welcome to give me a call directly. But in general, anybody, if you need help during the finals, we're here. And, and we do we always seem to get a load of horses from California that fly in a little bit early. That's a little bit of a challenge for the horse park if you are not driving in. If you're flying in, sometimes the flights get in over the weekend and you can't move into the horse park, I think, till Tuesday. So Monday or Tuesday. And then a lot of times that you have to leave the horse park as well. So I have I have friends in a network and also USDF is pretty good about helping. There's a group of us that sort of seem to always help people out that week. And, and we're certainly happy to do that. So uh, but if you're driving in, you know, it's worth getting there early. It's a big competition. So there's only certain times that you can school in the rings or hand walk in the rings, which is usually early and late. So you have to be ready for that. Know that that's kind of what happens at a big championship. So, but my horse, Big Mike, actually, he goes on Thursday. 
So I'll take him over Wednesday and there's no, everybody in that class in the third level class, we all go Thursday. So it's the same advantage. There's no extra horse show. So we can't get in the ring before. So, but everybody's on the same playing field. So it's fine, but I'm, uh, I'm going for one class. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And question three, assuming that they do go, what are some tips, advice for maximizing the experience? And also as a, as a professional networking from a little bit, the business side. Yeah. So I think, uh, and again, Phil, you've been here for this. Um, there are events that happen pretty much every night. I think, uh, there's a wine and cheese, there's, um, uh, a dinner, maybe two dinners. Um, and then what's also cool is you can get tables. There's a VIP area or you can bring in a picnic uh, there's food also in the venue, but you can also just bring in a picnic and you can watch the rides and it's, it's complimentary. You don't have to pay extra to get into the stadium and it's pretty warm in there. So some of the horses go outside and some of them are inside, but the FEI classes are inside. And so it is worth your time to, to go to the wine and cheese and to go to the, to yeah, go do, do to the, the things do and, the and, events. And, yeah. And people are friendly, you know, yeah. meet people, say hi, you know, it's just all about, I find that horse shows just. You know, people seem to be a little bit in their own head or a little bit in their own space. But if you just, I like your jacket, you know, uh, a compliment is always a nice icebreaker. And where are you from? And, you know, how how did you come to be here? And, and all of that great stuff. I think you can meet lots of friends or, you know, people that you might see year to year and get together. And, and, and you know, it takes uh, participation to make an event like this feel like a real event. So, you know, a lot yeah. of a lot of horse people I know are kind of not really people people. Not that they're unfriendly, but they're just a bit shy, I think. Right. So not Reese, not I. No, uh, not us. But you're so, welcome to yeah, look, so, look us I up. Mean, we're always going around and, and meeting yeah. new people and, and having great conversations. And, and you know, everybody there loves horses and loves dressage. So you already have a ton in common. So I think just kind of get yourself out there and... Uh, and watch the show. See as much of the show as possible because there's lots of learning opportunities, you know, whether it's in a warm-up ring or whether it's watching some classes or, you know, just seeing some people that you've heard about before, like in professional-wise. You know, I, I think Michael Bragdell always goes and I like to watch him, his rides and, and yeah. sort of, you know, you can do a little analysis and, and, and learn something. So that's, that's, that's the benefit of there being a big show is that there is a lot to see. And to soak up and that and that way and talk to the vendors, you know, they're always yeah, really super friendly. And, yeah, and there's and good I vendors. Think, and I think the the brook is is has been there the last few years. So, you know, talking to them about their fundraising and, and helping out with the brook is always a great idea. And yeah, lots of lots of great stuff to see and, and experience. Right. So it's a, it's a great show. So I would absolutely say, come look us up. Cause we love that. And we look forward to, to meeting with you and we hope your daughter does well. And if you have any other questions, we're, we're happy to answer them. And also we hope the show will help you find some assets on the USDF side. So we look forward to seeing you in Kentucky. Well, Phil, we asked for people to send in their goals and we got some takers, which is really exciting. You know, this time of year is a, is a nice time to sort of reflect on the year and find out, you know, did you, 
complete the goals you were trying, where you're going for next year. It's a good time to start that. So we've asked listeners to send us their goals and we have gotten some, which I love. So I also noticed I've been looking. One of the things we celebrate is when people get their their medals, we try to stop and either have a party. We always have a party at the end of the year, but we try to really celebrate. So I celebrated this this week with Jen O'Neill. We've been working on that bronze medal for a long time. So that was quite fun. We went out to dinner with her and her husband. But I also noticed on the auditor page that Kathy, she was awarded her Rider Performance Award from USDF for first level. That was really fun. Congratulations. Then our really fun listener, Lisa Fisher from Minnesota, she has been working a lot on cantering her mare. She's been doing that for a while, and I'm really, really proud of her, and she's really worked very hard on that. So I'm really excited and happy from her. And also Nancy wrote in, we, we did a trainer tip with her mare a few uh, a few months ago, and she says it's going really well, and the mare's going super forward, and they're having a great time. So uh, keep the goals coming, Phil, and I yeah, love them. Congratulations. Mm. Yeah, I was really, really happy to hear about that. And, you know, just, just people out there and enjoying their horses and enjoying training. That's what dressage is all about, training and, and a smile on everybody's face. Yeah. And, you know, all of it, sometimes it's not competition oriented. We don't have to hear competition oriented. It's fun to to do that. But we also really love to hear, you know, I've been working really hard with my horse and, and I'm making some strides. So we love hearing that. So keep those coming. We'll take those anytime. I don't, I don't, I don't want to stop that. I want to keep that going. So we look forward to that. And as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably on Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork. I want to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a show, and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And we can't wait to talk to you next week. Keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and have a great week of riding.